everyone. I'm Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. Welcome to another episode of Techspansive. Today we are going to jump into Sony's announcement or their, their big reveal from the week of their PS5 hardware design. We didn't get uh, all the information we would want. Of course, they haven't released pricing, but we got a, a quick view of some of what they're bringing to market. And uh, also this week, Google, Google countersues Sonos for patent infringement. In January, Sonos came out, guns blazing, and, and sued uh, Sonos. And we saw that um, as that continues to progress this week, Google comes out and, and countersues and says that they are, in fact, infringing on five of their patents. So we'll dive a little bit into that as well. Yeah, so uh, this is, um, I don't know if it's safe to call these things generational products, probably not, but they they come out about once every 10 years, uh, a new uh, major video game platform. And uh, as some of the shine has faded from new consoles, I mean, you know, we had HD, that was a big jump, and then 4K, I guess, and and the question has become, you know, how much better are the graphics are going to get? Uh, companies have tried all kinds of things, uh, all, all kinds of innovations, some of which have strayed into the realm of the gimmicky over the years, uh, especially from Nintendo. Uh, it's been kind of, kind of hit and miss. And there really hasn't been any kind of strong theme that I have um, uh, seen from either Microsoft or Sony in this generation. So uh, while Nintendo uh, did, uh, has been doing very well uh, with Switch, uh, aided by this need to game on the go, um, uh, which has been uh, furthered by the pandemic, for, for Sony and Microsoft, it just seems very much business as usual. We're going to you know, ramp up the resolution. We're going to add a feature called ray tracing, which makes for uh, very impressive uh, lighting effects. Uh, but but the focus is, uh, you know, very much on, on the graphics and pushing that forward. I was expecting to see a lot more about how AI would, would play a role in, in this generation. We really haven't seen a lot on that. Uh, the hardware itself, um, you know, as Sony has done in the past, actually, both of them, it's, it's going to be a big tower-like monolith uh, that uh, hangs out near your television. It is a, uh, it's definitely a, um, uh, an interesting uh, design, kind of a, a bold design statement. So uh, Sony has, has always done very well uh, with that in, in, the, in designing uh, PlayStation consoles over the years. Uh, and they're going to release it in both a Blu-ray version and a discless version. So, Sean, as you said, they haven't announced the pricing, but there's a lot of speculation on what the delta will be between those two versions. Um, you know, because not only do they save the cost of a Blu-ray drive, but they basically lock you into buying all your games from them uh, for the life of the console. So that's another reason they could afford to subsidize that that version a bit. Um, they also showed a lot of game trailers and. Uh, for the most part, I mean, of course, they all looked good. I didn't think they necessarily looked a generational leap ahead of uh, what we've seen, but uh, it's far too early to uh, damn the console based on that. You know, we're just getting these, these first glimpses and developers are 
still coming up to speed on what the capabilities will be. Uh, there was one demo that I found uh, pretty impressive, uh, a basketball game demo, not only in terms of the level of sweat detail that you could see on the face of the players, uh, but uh, in particular, the, the eyes, how, how those were portrayed, uh, very important in, in showing human faces. Uh, and uh, I would say a deficiency of the current generation that uh, it, it seems that uh, the next generation will do a significantly better, better job on. In terms of price, you know, uh, some people are saying this could be as high as $500. Wouldn't be the most expensive console Sony has ever released, but uh, they, uh, they have uh, encountered a lot of heat when they've priced high in the past. And especially now, uh, you know, with um, a lot of economic hardship, um, how are you feeling about the prospects for this thing uh, this holiday season? Or what do you think there's a, a real opportunity for Microsoft to come in and undercut and, uh, and, and steal the lead again? Well, we, we know that these consoles always come out with a high price point and then that price decays very quickly. Uh, and I wouldn't surprise me at all to see these already discounted by the holiday season in, in November or December hmm. that uh, we see price cuts. I think Microsoft has a history of, of coming in and competing in this space more holistically, seeing it as a, a platform. On the services play. side. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've done a lot of good work on the services side, for sure. Yeah, And so I think they, they will have an incentive to keep the price below the PS5 in order just to keep people on the platform and, and to keep people there. And to your point, it's a lot less about buying your physical games from a publisher and bringing it to the console and instead getting it all directly through Xbox Live or, or the equivalent. And so I think there'll, there'll be an incentive there. I would have expected like you to see more around some of the the, the nuances that m really will incentivize you to buy the, the new device. Clearly the graphics are amazing, but I feel like every time one of these comes comes out, every new launch is about the amazing graphics. Ray tracing. Yeah, those is, are the table stakes. Yeah. yeah. And and ray tracing is phenomenal. I mean when you when you see it in in it is, it is phenomenal. It does make for a, a very rich game experience, but not necessarily the games that people are playing. I, I look at my mm. own kids and they're playing mm. Fortnite. And it, it's right. not a story about graphics. It's a story about community. And so uh, and you, mm. you know, we're, at, we're at a different place now. I think when they started down the road for the PS5, ten, like you said, 10 years ago or eight years ago, <laughs> Uh, it was about graphics, but that's not the the story now. It's about community. So I would have expected to see a lot more around that community play. You you mentioned AI. Uh, I you know think that this is a natural place to really invest in in VR and mm -hmm. extended reality, mixed reality, whatever you want to call it. This is where uh, th this will end up initially in the home this is the inroads to get vr in the home is going to be in the game console and uh i'm surprised that that isn't you know part of the opening storyline they did announce a bunch of accessories that are going to go with it uh, you know dual lens hd cameras 3d headphones haptic feedback controllers i think that's pretty cool every, every demo i've seen at cs with haptics is is a pretty uh rich experience relative to just uh you know 
a dual shock type uh, controller. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I, I would expect more and maybe more will come down the road. I'm just not sure that that uh, graphics will sell you to the next console. And uh, and that's really what these are, are betting on right now. I think, uh, well, two, two points first on your point uh, regarding VR. Sony uh, was uh, early on in this point, or early on in terms of bringing VR to the console. Uh, they were they they enjoyed relative success. I think for at least some point in time, maybe even now, they were the volume leader in terms of VR headsets. Uh, I'm sure in large part because they just made it so easy. Right, that's the proposition of a console. Everything is easy. There's nothing to configure. You plug it in and it works. Um, uh, and uh, and and you know, I, I tried a number of uh, PlayStation VR titles. They they were a lot of fun. Um, but uh, but they haven't come out swinging on this one. And uh, Microsoft never really countered them strongly. They talked about doing some stuff with uh, Oculus, but nothing much ever came of it. So uh, it will be um, uh, interesting to see if they. Uh, continue embracing that or uh, if they if they just leave it behind the other variable i would say is on the streaming front right microsoft has been uh i would say much more aggressive than sony about the idea that uh you're going to be able to take these xbox titles and essentially play them anywhere uh so uh while sony has um uh, certainly you know looked at emulation and virtualization and all these technologies and you know, streaming, game streaming for the purpose of backward compatibility, uh, they definitely have not gone as broadly uh, as Microsoft. So uh, that could be uh, one reason why Microsoft looks at at this console launch uh, as being far beyond building support for Xbox and more about building support for uh, games on on a range of platforms driven by Azure. you know, one of the many things that have changed since the last generation is uh, Microsoft executive uh, leadership. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder why they even stay in this market. But but I think part of the reason is because uh, it's, uh, it's a strong proof of concept improving ground for Azure, uh, which is, you know, uh, one of the company's highest priorities at this point. So... And this has always been an area that Microsoft has been interested in. They've al- always been interested in the consumer experience in the home, uh, going back to the days of the uh, you know Windows Media Center, which was mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. put it in a desktop and you run it as a set-top box. And, and the Xbox largely became that, and they eventually got rid of uh, you know Windows Media Center. And now you run everything from your, from your Xbox, except for... We're now building that all directly into into the TV. So if you look at LG mm-hmm. and something like WebOS, you've got all your streaming features directly there. If you look at the the games that are you know being played, uh, I, I do think that over time you might see those move into uh, into uh, that environment, and you might not need hardware um, to the same extent locally that you do today or that or that you have in the past um and and that's even arguably google's vision i think with with google stadia though that's right. been s- slow to uh pick up i think um 
but the idea that you can kind of move across devices very easily and yeah, actually, that's a that's a good point in terms of bridging uh, Microsoft's streaming game efforts uh, in, in the context of Stadia, which is that Google really doesn't. I mean, there are a lot of Android games, but but Google really doesn't have much um, communication, much of a channel with high end uh, PC game developers, right? Which is what's on Stadia. Microsoft does, so the Xbox really allows them to provide an understood model in terms of getting these uh, graphically rich products into the home while allowing those developers to experiment with the riskier, uh, newer model of, of game streaming. So uh, my take, you know, certainly a lot more to come on this, but I, I think that there will be pent up demand this holiday season. I, you know, I'm sure whenever these things are launched, you know, during the holiday, there's always a crazy rush on them. The real test will come in in 2021 or possibly holiday 2021, and uh, by then I think we should get a good sense of uh, you know which which of them is uh, poised to dominate this generation. Yeah, more more to come certainly. We and we always uh, hear rumors that Amazon will get into this space, so that will obviously yes. change the world. They they own Twitch, and many gamers today are are using Twitch to stream live or they're consuming uh, streamers on Twitch. YouTube is, is uh, integrated a lot there as well and trying to get people there. So, you know, I think you'll see, you could see more there and it'll be interesting. Maybe there'll be a, a little bit of a bifurcation that happens in the game space. Actually, and, and also in terms of wild cards, uh, a couple of, um, you know, video game pioneer brands will be back in the market this holiday season. Uh, Atari uh, launched a Kickstarter Indiegogo project uh, a few years ago to bring back the VCS, and you know that's due to ship uh, in a couple of months. Uh, and uh, in television, uh, which was my uh, go-to game console yeah. when, when I was a kid, uh, Tommy Tallarico, who's a um, longtime video game executive, has brought on Jay Allard. Uh, speaking of the Xbox, he was the father of the Xbox. And uh, they're looking at doing something for $250, uh, very family-friendly games that could have, uh, you know, some surprising level of, uh, you know, games under $10 each, uh, all rated E for everyone, no, you know, downloadable content like, like in the mobile space. Uh, so, um, sure, of course, it's a wild card, but, uh, but some interesting thinking there, and uh, the timing could be right for it. Well, to your point, the pandemic has definitely changed the way we're spending our time. We're, yep. we're at home a lot more. We're looking for things yep. to keep our kids occupied while we work to some extent. And then we're spending more time with our kids and doing more things yep. with them. And that often means trying to meet them where they're at. You know, you, you meet your customer where they're at and you meet your kids right. where they're at. And that means... Right. Uh, playing video games with them or, or something like that. That's that's the big sell, you know, trying yeah. to get back to a time when families played games together. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we shall see. Well, in, in other news, as we noted at the start of the program, Google countersues Sonos for, for patent infringement, uh, saying that um, Tech Giant saying it must assert its intellectual property rights. I know that uh, it's got to be a very difficult place for Sonos to be. Uh, constantly having its its market um, narrowed because of everything that's happening in this space. You've got Amazon and, and Google both 
extending their uh, their um, assistant devices throughout the home, allowing music to be played on them. And then, uh, you know, it's definitely not somebody I would want to be in a lawsuit against. Google has very deep pockets. And if it's an area that Google wants to, to fight for, then it will, will be a difficult uh, area to defend, I'm sure. Uh, when we talked about this initially, there was arguments that they could have at the same time sued Amazon for infringement because Amazon's yes. using very similar techniques, but uh, you don't want to start a war on two fronts and that would be exactly. a, a very difficult one. So they decided to, um, to try to leverage some dynamics there with Google. Ross, you're add to uh, some of the dynamics at play this week. Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, Look, it's uh, it's certainly not surprising that that Google countersued. You know that, that's what happens, right? Um, uh, in a lot of intellectual property cases, the um, and you know that that's what the the big hammer is in in terms of dissuading uh, companies from from suing is is the threat of the countersuit. Uh, and um, you know, as you said, Sean, uh, this is definitely a David versus Goliath uh, case, um, and Google had <clears throat> when it um, Sonos had when it first uh, announced that it was suing uh, Google back uh, at the beginning of the year, um, said that uh, you know they would sue Amazon, but for the uh, the fact that they you know just didn't have the resources to do it. So they're already right. kind of admitting that that they're coming from challenging position. I would also add that uh, this is kind of a, a vulnerable time in Sonos's business uh, in that they've just, not only have they just announced new products, uh, but they are going through, the, for the first time in their 10-year history, uh, kind of an OS upgrade. I mean, they have uh, rather their first OS upgrade that has not been fully backward compatible. So over the years, from the time Sonos started, uh, you know they would they would upgrade their software and allow for new services and new capabilities. And no matter what Sonos devices you had on the network, they would all get upgraded. And at some point, there was some controversy last year where they said, you know what, we've just reached the end of the line on some of these products. We there are new things we want to do. And uh, we can't we can't do that in the memory footprint of, of some of these older products. So so they had been uh, leaning toward uh, just sort of like dropping them uh, or offering to buy them back or trade in. Now they say they're going to bifurcate. You know, you can keep your version, you know, your first generation products uh, or some of the You can keep the products that can't be upgraded. Uh, but they won't be able to interoperate with the new products, right? So, so I, I have a sense that a lot of Sonos owners have been steadily upgrading over the years, and you know certainly their business has um, uh, it's, it's, uh, gained momentum over the past two years. People have added a lot of new uh, stuff uh, that can be upgraded, uh, but uh, some stuff will definitely be left behind, and. Uh, those people have to think about, well, you know, should I invest? Should I continue investing in this system when Amazon is selling, 
you know, these uh, cheapo speakers that can also interoperate around my home and have Alexa integration. And, you know, now they're bringing up the audio quality. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's interesting that Sonos is always focused on, on audio reproduction quality and, you know, they've always sort of publicly targeted kind of Bose as their competitor. And even though Google uh, and, and Amazon have uh, come out with speakers that have been featured higher quality audio, it hasn't really been, it hasn't really struck me as their audio products per se that uh, have um, uh, caused potential trouble for Sonos. It's the idea that they're licensing their stuff into other audio brands that produce products that are more competitive with Sonos. So, so while they're suing over the, the direct products that Google and Amazon are, are creating, I wonder even if they won those lawsuits, you know, even if, uh, if that would materially uh, address the real challenge that they face from Amazon and Google. Well, and I, I think that's uh, a very astute point, Ross, that um, in my mind, it's not about high quality audio as much as distributed audio. And, mm -hmm. and this has been a long battle going back to what, what is it that consumers well, really want, right? Do they, do they want high fidelity, high quality, lossless audio, or, or are they okay with having compressed audio as long as it's very convenient? And, and right. Sonos has tried to make the argument that consumers really want high quality audio. I think if you look at the Echo devices of the world, Amazon it has made the case that, hey, we'll put Amazon Music on these and you'll get compressed audio on a inferior speaker, but you'll get it in every room and it'll be voice activated. And and I, I think what you find- like the weather. Yeah, yeah, you get the weather, you get some music, um, you get some news, but it, it does look like people are, I would say that the majority, that the large majority are often quite content with compressed audio in uh, a convenient package as opposed to high quality lossless audio in a an expensive package maybe, maybe someone just needs to uh, start making turntables uh, maybe uh, <laughs> you know that that's the way they can win back uh, cred with, uh, with with all of the uh, all the retro vinyl lovers um, out there uh, I, you know, the, the other thing I would, I would just say about um, Sonos is that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, challenging to see how this uh, plays out in, in court, but uh, the company should be getting a, a revenue boost over the next month. They, uh, they just announced some, uh, as I mentioned, a new, new soundbar, new sub. Uh, so they're, they're turning their attention uh, more toward the home theater uh, space than, than they have in a while. And of course, uh, with a lot of folks looking at uh, entertainment in the home right now, uh, in terms of that family experience, we just we just talked about uh, in, in the video game uh, realm. Uh, well, this this is complementary to to that as well. So, uh, so perhaps uh, some injection of funds to help uh, fight the, uh, the the legal battle uh, that that looms ahead. And I would be surprised if this makes it all the way to court. I think that this is uh, something that eventually gets settled out and, and that there's some 
cross licensing of patents. I, I, and I think you look at the products that people are bringing to market, the companies are bringing to market these days, they're complex products that rely on a lot of different technologies. And those, the, the underlying patents that fuel those technologies are owned by lots of different companies. And so I think this gets settled. There's probably some payments that are moving from one direction to the other. My guess would be that Google is, ends up paying some, some amount and then, and there's a cross licensing of patents, and we we move on from there. But we we will see. And also beyond uh, just these two companies, uh, apparently one of the issues uh, in in the original lawsuit was that the pushback that Google gave about uh, having the Google Assistant and Alexa in the same speaker, which is is something that Sonos has done. Uh, this seems to me to be something that uh, uh, maybe may not necessarily be something that consumers feel very strongly about because they'll use one or the other. Sean, I know you have both systems in, in your home, you know, so do I, so do many people. Uh, but the idea is that uh, manufacturers, licensees uh, don't want to have to produce separate speakers to support Alexa and Google. I mean, that's ridiculous. So so I think it would be in the interest of uh, both Amazon and Google uh, to ensure that companies uh, have the freedom to integrate both. I, th I think it will be in the best interest of, of their uh, agents. And uh, it's kind of odd to see that Google had been the one uh, complaining about this more because they're playing catch up uh, to Amazon in the space, uh, in the agent space beyond the smartphone. So. Um, that that would also be a result uh, that uh, that that would have widespread widespread benefit if they can uh, work it out. I know I would love it because half the time I call them by the wrong name, just like I call yes. my kids by the wrong name. So I say Alexa when I mean I mean Google, and and so uh, then then they're mad at me, just like my kids get mad at me when well, I. Say you you probably shouldn't have named your kids Alexa and Google. That's that right. probably your first mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Again, everybody <laughs> answering me, screaming at me. So anyways, I, I think it, you know, I'd like to see that because then you can, uh, and they have different, they have different values. They have different, uh, uh, different things they bring to the table. So, so we'll see how this plays out. And then inevitably, as soon as this one is settled within days, Sonos will turn to Amazon and, uh, and yes, that angle. Right, right. So I'm sure Amazon right. is watching this closely. So uh, a good place to end it. Thanks for uh, joining us for another episode of Techspansive. Again, I'm Sean Dubrovac with Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin of Radical Research. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. We'll uh, see you next week for another episode of Techspansive.